This is the A-Team Podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. The A-Team is presented by Drake's Place in Bottle, South Dakota and sponsored by Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans in Sioux Falls. Now, here's your hosts of the A-Team Podcast, Matt and Kyle. And welcome back to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jack Carbot Illustrated. Uh, Matt and Kyle here. Kyle, how are you tonight? Doing good, man. Uh, I had a little Friendsgiving get-together yesterday. Stomach's full, spirits are high, Jack's got a W, so uh, we're back on the on the good side of the ledger. Uh, uh, you cut out for a second. Did you say your, your stomach was full of spirits? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> and spirits, yes. Um, oh, yeah. That's a good one. I like it. Oh, like uh, funny. All right. Um, we are presented by Cottonwood Coffee of Brookings and Drake's Place of Bottle, South Dakota. Uh, stopped at Cottonwood yesterday, grabbed a cup of coffee before I went to tailgating. Uh, it's the perfect way to start out there. Uh, you know, get some caffeine in your system for those early morning tailgates. Uh, and then mix or flip over to, uh, you know, some hot apple pie that uh, Tim Goldhammer brought. Um, he's the guy that does our What's Cooking Wednesday. Um, so Chef Tim, uh, thanks, buddy. Good apple pie. Um, and then Drake's Place. I think I mentioned this last week, but uh, this is worth raving about. Uh, the, their Club 71 sandwich. Oh, oh. so Dude. good. Did you get any at the tailgate for the the marker game? Yeah, that's where I had oh, it. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. they were so good, man. So if if that is just a sample of what they make there, like I need to find a reason to get to Bottle, like, <laughs> and maybe that's just gonna be it. Just going to see Drake's. So I mean, Lauren and I looked at each other like I think these are the Club Seventy One sandwiches because we just passed Robert when he was. Uh, yeah. Dropping them off at the tailgating. Oh man, you guys gotta. I'm not even overselling them. I'm not biased with food, but uh, you can specifically <laughs> tell how you know how well crafted they are. They're good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, thanks everyone for being here tonight. We have a big show planned. <laughs> we have we have to go through UND. That was an exciting victory. Uh, lots to talk about there. We have to do game balls. We have to talk about the playoff bracket, and then we are going to talk about UC Davis, our old Great West foe, UC Davis. And uh, maybe Kyle will have some good stories about UC Davis, some good memories. So um, we'll get we'll jump right in. Let's do this. So the UND recap, uh, the Jacks won 24-21. Um, very physical game, very tough game, both sides of the ball. Um, really, a both quarterbacks. I was impressed with both quarterbacks overall. Um, Tommy Schuster, you know, you, you watch him and you look at him and it's like, what is this guy? Like, how is, how is Tommy Schuster doing this? But he just keeps making plays. Uh, I I'm, I'm a Tommy Schuster fan. I, I like Tommy Schuster, but luckily yesterday, our quarterback was just a bit better. So Kyle, what are your thoughts? I know you rewatched it today. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's great to get a win. I think people may take for granted um, at the national level uh, how difficult the Valley is because, you know, there's Valley bias, right? But uh, I think that overall, you know, there's no e easy day in the Valley. So getting a win against, you know, former um, regional foe at the D2 level, you know, last time we played them in Brookings was 2010. 
um, my senior year, and uh, we shut them out. And it's always great to uh, to get a, a big time victory that catapults you to playoffs. And I think you know you mentioned some great points. Schuster was really really difficult to um, to tie down and get off his spots, and and we were we put put together an admirable pass rush. You know, Cade Trebier did an excellent job. Uh, had a great day yesterday and, you know, also uh, looking at, you know, Caleb Sanders, the pressure he was able to put on, but it still was as if he just had all the juice and all the magic in his hat, uh, just being poised, you know, extending the plays, finding these little dinking, dunking opportunities to move the sticks on third downs. And it's just like, not again, right? You're, you're hoping that- <laughs> guys shore up these little these little aspects you know heading into the uc davis game which i'm highly confident they will yeah all right um (laughs) everyone's jumping right in right away still fired up about the refs hey terry thanks for being here man um steve i like steve anderson because he is always just like he tells you what's on his mind so steve anderson started first comment out of the gate that was a td absolutely steve and i think we all know it um but unfortunately, there was just no angle that absolutely proved it beyond a reasonable doubt. Like, I think anyone that watches that replay the, of the angle that was shown knows it. But again, they can't prove it. Um, and not even that, though, Matt. Like, yeah. sorry to interject there. Just, yeah, you're good. you know, it's the responsibility of the, the officials on the line, gauging the line of scrimmage, to as soon as the play is snapped and it's about to be dead, converge towards – the scrum, right? Converge towards the scrum, sift through the scrum, be assertive in your calling of whether it's a, a, a good good touchdown or not, and, and let the crowd know, let mm-hmm. everyone know. The lack of assertiveness from that crew was was abysmal. And, I, and I'm not trying to pile on the, the, the refs because it's been bad across the board this year, not only in the Valley, but nationally at the, at the National Football League level and all over, man. It's just been atrocious. And it's like, it's it's almost like the officials and the governing bodies are are like siding with the officials as opposed to allowing the game to go on unimpeded, right? We're seeing bogus flags for taunting where it's getting to be ridiculous. The enforcement of it is wrong. And it's just common sense football. Did your eyes watch it cross the plane? None of this mm-hmm. over overly reliant on technology. Get the damn call right on the field. So that's my that's my rant. I'm done with that one. That's my big rant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got everyone fired up here in the comments, right. uh, Kyle. I'm not sure if you're seeing this, but they are just flying right, in. So, um, that's right, Darren. <laughs> yeah, right, Dion. Let's go. Let's talk about this because this is unbelievable. Met Dion yesterday. Dion Blumenrader uh, had a lot of fun chatting with him. Dion, thanks for thanks for the conversation. It was nice to meet you. Um, third down conversion rate was unbelievable. Yes, it was. I, Kyle, have you ever seen anything like that for what you and you and UND did there on third down, how successful they were short or long. So they're tailor made uh, for that though. They dink and dunk. And what do we do on third downs? Notoriously. What do we do, Matt? Uh, Man to man. Send pressure. It's like. Send pressure. Yes. They're going to send pressure. You want to know why I know they're sending pressure? Because they mistime their blitzes. So it's like, and usually it, it's pressure right up the middle. Usually too, nothing yeah, usually off the edge. Gap pressure, or yeah. yeah, or if it is, you know, when it is off the edge, it's usually Bacchus, and he times it up really well. Um, mm. You know, I don't, I wasn't opposed to them sending pressure. I do think 
when you're not getting a, a great consistent interior pass rush, you're going to try to send some pressure, right? The problem is, or maybe you're trying to, to shield some, some uh, blemishes on the back end, which could be as well, right? So our coverage issues have been there, but I think more so from a tackling perspective. Uh, they, we were not tackling well. A couple times Schuster was just, you know, extending the play, running up the middle, turning around with his back and falling forward, you know, reverse a reverse pivot. And then what you're starting to see is who is coming in the game, Vaughn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they're, they're running quarterback in those situations. And when you're in third and one or fourth and one and you are built for that situation and you practice, you know, repetitively, QB sneak in those situations, you know, advantage bad guys. So like you said, Ken, we're going to, or uh, who is that that had that point up there? Dion, Dion, we're going to have to, we're going to have to shore that up. I'm highly confident we will moving into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. What was the exact statistic on this? It was just nuts. So UND was 13 of 19 on third down and then two of two on fourth down. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, some some of it, Ken, is just a good good play calling by their offense. Like they're, they're a good offense um, with respect to just playing within their skill set and their scheme. Um, they have a ton of different things they throw at you, different motions. You you would notice the orbit motion a lot of times. There was the one play uh, when number four, his name escapes me right now, is a Boltman. Uh, yep, Rock Boltman. Yeah, Boltman. Boltman. They ran that one play where you know it's kind of like what we do with Pierre. Um, and we'll have Chris flanking him as an as a potential pitch guy, but really that's just window dressing. Well, there they u- they utilize Wea in a in a sound way <laughs> uh, to, to be a lead blocker, right? And so they're just really creative. Um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tip your cat some to Valley competition. I know mm-hmm. everybody on here has a high expectation for the Jacks, but the Valley plays some plays some damn good football and. Uh, and it's really going to prep us for a nice playoff run here. And I, th- I think we should we should all be licking our chops because we can get better, like Stig says. Can we play better? Yes. Will mm-hmm. we play better? That's up to them. How prepared are, are the guys going to be? Are we going to tackle? My big thing, Matt, and everyone who asked questions about the third down conversion rate, we rally tackled well. But when our first guy is getting there, they need to grab flesh. Mm-hmm. Coach Stig, the most he says is grab their flesh, tear at their flesh. Yep. Uh, you know, because he's not the most violent guy at all, but he couldn't be more correct on that. You gotta grab grab claws. Yep. Yeah. It and a couple of times in that first half, um, you know, Isaiah Stalbert had had two beautiful right. form tackles. And then but then there was a totally separate play where he ran right by the receiver, like overran the play and allowed a first down. And just some of that is, you know. We know they can do it, right? We know they can make tackles. They can they can make good form tackles. They can be in position, um, rally tackle. But then there's just these these lapses yeah. that that really are mind boggling. And and a lot of it, I think you're right, Kyle, is competition in a lot of ways. So yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about Stallbird because I saw that I was seeing that too, and I was like, man, I wonder if if anyone else is seeing how great he's tackling on these plays. Yeah, and then a couple of these other plays, it's like, dang, you know, <laughs> keep your head up, run your feet. And I know it's not that easy. Like you can it's say true. that until you're blue in the face, but it doesn't always pan out that way. You know, I, I do want to get a quick rave in here, Matt, if I can. Mm. Yeah, and I kind of touched on already. Cade Turveer and the Colonel, mm-hmm. unbelievable effort, man. I, mm-hmm. uh, the Colonel <laughs> Sanders, he overran one of his sacks. 
Yep. Kept running, came back, and got an effort sack. I mean, that's beautiful. You want to know why that's beautiful? You're setting the tone for the rest of your teammates. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you do that, you give everyone the juice. Yep. And that's not even talking about who we had back in the lineup on the offensive side of the ball, which I know gave the guys juice. So yeah. Hey, we finally hats off to those guys. Yeah. Didn't you you were the one that um wanted uh Sanders to get that six piece, right? Yeah on his sack. So he's at to six and a half now. So yeah, there we it. go. Um so this is a great segue. So thanks, Terry, for, for saying this. Davis made a difference. How cool was that to see him as first carry a 22-yard uh, you know, quick hit? Just unbelievable, that burst. And it and it became so apparent as the game went along why Davis and, and Pierre are the perfect complement for one yeah. another on that. I mean, it just their their styles couldn't be more different. And, and you could just see the defense. They got used to Pierre's style. Isaiah would come in and just go, and they were, you know, a half step slow. And by then, he's through the hole. So it's great to have him back. That's for darn sure. Absolutely, man. And, you know, the cool thing about that is, is Pierre got to showcase a little bit more versatility even. Because when you have Isaiah being such a change of pace, Pierre caught a, a, his one pass that he caught for six yards. The move that he put on that corner, DB, linebacker, I mean, his, his jock strap is still on the opposing sidelines. I mean, he left his ankles broken, and he was hurt and bleeding. Someone needs to call the, call the ambulance because it was so bad. But, um, but, yeah, you know, things like that are just going to continue to open up the playbook for, for the offense as a whole. When you look at the, the statistics, too, I mean, Chris was able to distribute the ball to so many different people. Mm-hmm. Pierre didn't have over a hundred yards rushing, but he really, I mean, he didn't need to necessarily, oh, right? Because Isaiah had 60 plus yards, you know, he, and if you look at our yard per carry average, it was so high, everybody that touched the rock, that that's the type of balance that's only going to give coach Eck so, so many different tools at his disposal to put pressure on these opposing defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of my raves today as well was just the, the number of weapons and how they showed up yesterday. Um, obviously Tucker's catch and run for the touchdown at the end of the first half was the highlight and that showcased everything that is special about Tucker right now. Um, but I mean, the Yankees, you know, Jaden on that first touchdown reception, like that was incredible speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how he scored on that or just, I mean, cause, cause UND, like we, we've already said, UND is a very good team. A few, Steve Anderson said a few things go their way in some of those close games, they would be in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, and we should have had 31 points. We've already said that with, with Chris's touchdown. Um, but it, it just Jackson again, you know, a, a very quiet hundred yard game again. Um, you know, the, the other sauce brother, uh, Heinz, um, his, his receptions, two first, two Huge. key first downs. Huge. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many weapons for this offense that again, once, once I Isaiah's back, that frees up Pierre to maybe do a few more things in the passing game. We know Isaiah can make plays in the passing game. This offense is truly dynamic with, with all of its weapons out there. Yeah, and you know, I hope what we do is lean on the run game first and let everything else be an offshoot of that. Yep. Because if you look, you know, when you have a ton of weapons, sometimes you can overthink the process. I would imagine. I'm I'm just guessing here. 
I've never, mm-hmm. I've coached high school, but I've never had that many weapons, even in high school, right? Uh, that the Jacks have currently on the roster um, and in the two deep. And so when you're looking at, sometimes you can, you can be like, well, I got to get this guy involved in some way when you're doing your game prep, right? So I think mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the best, most conservative thing to do is to protect the ball and maintain time of possession. How are you going to do that? Let Pierre try to get off first, right? Lean on PS2. I love the nickname. Lean on Pierre. And then that change of pace with Isaiah, it wears down a defense. If you'll notice, his center of gravity and his balance is so good. Even when people are rally tackling him, he doesn't even go down half the time. He'll get three Mm -hmm. yards and they won't be able to knock him off his feet. And that just demoralizes mentally those defensive units. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, Oladokun commanded the the offense very well yesterday. He did. Uh, agreed. He he that I mean he's had a good year, but this is the best he's looked. I'd argue since Colorado State, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree so, with you. Confident, consistent, decisive, and I got to yeah. tell you this: probably his best throw all year, except for a couple beauties he dropped in the in the in the basket against Colorado State, was the back shoulder throw to Jackson. Uh, on one of the last drives. Yeah. yeah. Man, that was beautiful because, I mean, really he threw him open and he just had good rapport with Jackson on that play. And that's something that develops over time. So as we're, as we're all, you know, caught up in the moment sometimes and we want to shell out criticism, I think what Chris has started to do is really build that rapport. He's only been in bookings Mm -hmm. for five months. So Mm -hmm. keeping that all in, in context, I think is important. Yeah. One, one thing I want to hit on to um, before we get too far along here is, is talking about the, the restructured offensive line. You never want to go into your last game of the season against a good, weird uh, seven man, you know, or front seven uh, that UND runs without your starting left tackle of the last two years. And what they did, you know, is switched Garrett Greenfield over to left tackle and then put Bo Donald in at right tackle, rotated Jason Titus through a little bit. Um, Gus Miller played a lot at right guard yesterday. So this was definitely kind of the, the future offensive line, fall 2022. Uh, besides Ganant in the middle, that's who we're going to be looking at there. Donald had a rough opening series, but really settled down after that. Uh, did you notice anything, Kyle, when you were watching our offensive line, um, kind of what they were doing? Yeah, you know, just getting caught leaning a couple times, which is going to happen when you're not too accustomed to getting a lot of real live uh, game action. Another another thing is uh, there was a sack or two or maybe a time when Chris got flushed where I believe it was Bo, he chased his man instead of working to pass it off. And I don't know what the communication was or how Eck wanted them to, to relay it. A lot of times you just go man – when you're in a, when you're seeing a, an odd three, four defense that does a lot of stunts okay. and twists in games. So for instance, if, if you guys noticed, I won't get too caught in the weeds here. I'll try to give you a visual, the stand up backers on the edge. A lot of times they would loop over the D tackle and the D tackle would have an outside rush lane. And what was happening sometimes is Bo got beat to the inside once and uh, you know, you never want to give up pressure at all, but you really don't want it to come from the interior because then the quarterback can't step up in the pocket, right? And mm-hmm. everybody's in his face. So just want to see him keep his eyes up, move his feet, communicate, and that'll happen more as you get real live reps. Sure. Didn't didn't get to see a ton of, of Gus. Uh, it's probably a good thing because, you know, sometimes when you don't see offensive linemen uh, flash like that, then they're probably doing their job well enough for everything to get get rolling, right? Yep. Um, 
I would like, I'm, there were times we got a huge push and Pierre was on those stretch run plays, which mm-hmm. is going to bode well. Cause uh, we're going to be talking a little bit here coming up that uh, Cal Davis runs a three, four similar type defense. So that's going to be mm-hmm. good. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it, it's, it sounds like I've gotten a lot of questions about Aaron Johnson. Sounds like week to week for him. Um, nothing, nothing major, uh, but enough to exercise some caution, especially for th- for this week. So, uh thanks for that terry for noticing there (laughs) yeah sorry uh, it's not supposed to be crude is the company i worked for they loved ron burgundy's uh Uh, comment wake up and piss excellence and actually it just means to stay hydrated too Mm -hmm. so so this is a good a good question here from jordan fink uh und was a good team no doubt but still feel the team played a bit uninspired yesterday and at usd Hopefully the way the bracket is set up will energize them. Scott kind of echoed that as well. Um, and I, I commented on this as well. I think this is maybe, this is me. I think the team is tired. Um, they've played a lot of games this calendar year. Try not to make necessarily excuses for them. Um, but but there it was a lower energy game. Absolutely. I think you could feel that in the stadium right away. The team didn't come out with, uh, you know, that hair on fire that we were all hoping to have um by the end of the game they they sure seemed excited sure seemed relieved maybe it was a good word for it um but just trying to guess or gauge the energy level um jordan and dion you're or, or scott you're both right like the energy was was not there it, i don't know if i'd call it uninspired i'd go that far but I, i'd call it tired i think they're tired so. Uh, I'll weigh in a little bit on this. I, I wasn't there, so I can't can't get a good barometer on what the actual emotional um, pulse was of the team. But just consider the last few weeks, right? So you're looking at you're looking at NDSU. Got to get up for it, real, real big, right? And and it's almost it literally was a must win at that time. I hate that statement, must win games, but it was from the perspective of you got to get one, you got to get at one or two of the last three to guarantee your spot in in the playoffs. And we did that, right? But then you have a team uh, down south that's not really our rival in our perspective, right? But they're very, we're very much their rival in their minds, right? So they're getting way up, way up. You know, we've had two single plays that have cost us a 10 and differential, right? Or a nine and two differential, no matter how you slice it uh, or depending on how you slice it. So I think that can just, like you're saying, Matt, it can emotionally drain a team uh, from having to get up because the Valley is like no other. I mean, it, it really is like no other conference. Maybe the CAA, sometimes maybe the top tier of, of the big sky, um, which we're going to get to see actually uh, the medal of that conference mm-hmm. uh, and potentially CAA too, but they're more on the opposite side of the bracket. All that just to say it is it's emotionally taxing. And these are young kids. They're still going to class, right? So we all we need to keep that in mind. Um, the only thing I'll say about this for, for the fans that may, may think uninspired ball is like potentially what they're seeing. They're juggling a lot, man. They're juggling yeah. a lot as, as young men, as players, as athletes, think about the past 18 months in general for us, you know, just lay people. Um, we don't, we don't always, we're not always juiced up. We're not always at 10 and, you know, uh, the mental conditioning coach, uh, is, is, I think it's crack cracked. Chris Crock. Yep. Um, he was saying that everybody's uh, intensity level is going to be different based on the demands of their position, 
their role on the team, and then also what type of player they are, right? Like a Cole Fromm is going to be lower on the emotional scale and the, the excited scale as opposed to a Tucker Craft. So, you know, just keep that in context. You're not always going to see a, a juiced up guy on the sideline, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not prepared and they're not ready to go. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, switching gears just a little bit. Terry says, would have liked to see more people in the seats than we're at the UND game. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, there was still 8,000, but it's just, it's tough. You know, you look at some of the stuff that was going on, there's state volleyball um, being played out in Rapid, I believe. Uh, it was deer opener in South Dakota. They're still doing harvest in a lot of areas. Uh, and folks are getting nervous at this point that they're not going to get their corn out before we get too much snow. Um, so that kind of does take priority for a lot of people. Um, and I'm not, you know, trying to make excuses, but these are real yeah. reasons that people have. It's the reality of their situation. So um, we still finished the year 14,100 plus on the average. Um, you know, when we, when we, <laughs> when we, uh, Kyle, when you played and I was in the stands, we saw 14,000 maybe once, maybe twice in the four or five years that you played. And those games were fun because, you know, around the scoreboard at the South end, you could just see it swelling, you know, around there uh, with people, the student section, the aisle was full. And every time you jumped around, you kind of thought that maybe uh, the stadium might collapse under you there. Yeah. Um, So we just have to put in context how this fan base is growing um, and how it continues to grow. We're on a positive trajectory there. It just, (laughs) it's going to be frustrating. You know, when we, we come off of our last home game was against NDSU with 18,000 fans. And now we had 10,000 less people there. I get it, but there's a lot going on. And and in the big picture, we're still trending the right direction. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, Matt, uh, there's a lot of different obligations and, you know, with such a small population in general, it's hard to pull, like you're trying to pull all of those to ensure, you know, a sold out crowd. And then, you know, people want to tailgate and have a good time, but if they're coming from Sioux Falls, it's like, they got to really plan. They got a budget. People are spending money on their families and in the, the trans, the trans, uh, So what I would like to see is Dana Dykehouse, uh, sir, Mr. Dana Dykehouse, please, uh, try to build like some transit rail system that goes back and <laughs> forth from Brookings to Sioux Falls. So people can really make that push. No, I mean, that's a joke. I, he, he would be one who could do it. Maybe put in a call to his buddy, Denny. Um, but you know, regardless of all that, I think, yeah, like you're saying, you're seeing an upward trend. Um, I take, I take it as a little personal jab. I, I think we had more than 14,000 when I played multiple times, but uh, mm. time, I think we did. I think times were different though. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm trying to split hairs here, Matt. Uh, I think times were different because there wasn't as much you could do. Now you got a smartphone and you can literally occupy an entire oh, yeah. day with that. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's so much more to do in Brookings and that's a good thing. Right. I'd love to see the administration increase enrollment in a time when people are not really going to college as much, which is tough. Um, but I really would like to see them increase enrollment because our students, we need to talk about the students have showed up and that's awesome because they didn't always show up back when I played. That's true. There were a lot of games where our two sections uh, were less than half full. You know, Kyle, I was there every week, so. <laughs> I, I know. I, I'll take that one. Oh, uh, man. I'm trying to think. So 
I had a funny story. And so this is this has nothing to do with this week's game. But you said the last time we played UND at home was when you played. Yeah. And so that was 2010. Yeah. And that's the year I think I graduated. And or it was the year I graduated. And uh, Altel, you remember the cell phone provider yeah. that got bought yeah. by AT&T? Was yeah. like doing, do I have it behind me? In my No, I don't. Huh, whatever it's at. Was doing like yellow foam finger giveaways. Foam fingers, right? Yeah. 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 And so... I went down to the bathroom at one of the breaks. It was a smaller crowd. It was a cold weather game. And they had this box still sitting there. So I drug in this box to this to the student section, carried it up to the top of the, you know, the middle, the top of where the students were. So that's probably like the middle, and started making it rain foam fingers all <laughs> over. <laughs> and uh, everyone walked away with a foam finger. It was great. That, and then that, that night, great. I believe uh, Miranda Lambert was playing at the Swift Hell Center. So I went Sweet. to that. So. It's like the timeline of events that day. Hey, have you heard if Joey Fatone is going to do another pillow fight in Brookings for this playoff game? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pink. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, Joey Fatone, I know we need to break that record again because someone else broke that pillow fight record somewhere. So, uh, Did they really? <laughs> yeah. Unacceptable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It happened. I know. For folks who don't know what we're talking about, the I guess the unpopular in sync guy the quote unquote heavy set one. Uh, <laughs> that's all we could afford. So we, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. but, but maybe, uh, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, he came out and we, we broke the Guinness Book of world records for the largest outdoor pillow fight. So, yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up then. <laughs> UND we, we've gone so far. In, what is this? The B team. Oh my goodness. Like squirrel. All no, right. Sure. Uh, they're going to listen to that. Love you guys. Uh, speaking of the B team, they, they had a uh, they had a sweatshirt made for me that says the Podfather on it, and I received that this week. It's a Podfather with me in the bow tie picture, and like the Godfather prints on the front. Uh, it's pretty sweet, so I appreciate that, guys. That's, That's awesome. very nice. That's all, dude. That was Ben's idea. It was hilarious. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, it's got, it's got a picture of Matt's head superimposed, and he's like doing the puppet master part of, yeah. uh, of the Godfather logo. It's great. <laughs> I I am not surprised that Chad hit uh, Joey Fatone with a pillow. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, game balls, jeepers, we are so far off the rails here. Love it. Um, presented by Jackrabbit Central. Uh, thank you, Jackrabbit Central. I saw a lot of people wearing your bibs at the game to keep warm. Awesome. Uh, some folks said they got hand warmers in the stadium shop. So that's a great addition uh, for, for uh, the people in the stadium that if, if your hands were that cold or your toes got cold. Um, so good job there. Uh, appreciate all the gear that, uh, that we get from you. So, yeah. All right. Uh, my game balls. We've already talked about this, about this a lot. Crystal Ladokin uh, was so good on offense. I, I think he has to have it. He just was in command. Love that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a, a defensive one just from my perspective. Uh, I'm gonna go with Cade Trevier. Uh, you uh-huh. know, he's a guy who really stepped up and emerged. And anytime you get two sacks in a game and two really pivotal sacks, um, you gotta go with you gotta go with the big chain gang guy. Yeah, and then um, you know, special teams like Tyler Feldkamp's return was great, yeah. but I mean, Cole Fromm had the great game-winning field goal. So. Yeah. Cole Fromm, uh, good job, man. That was a big kick, big moment. Uh, the referees sure took their time to make that call, and the student section maybe didn't react how they normally do on made kicks. So mm. uh, good job. Excellent job, Cole. 
Indeed. And it was in the, it was going to the North end zone. Right. So it was probably yeah. tough for, for them to see, or maybe it wasn't because it looked like it went right through the middle. Oh man. Yeah. I don't for, like when I sit, I sit on the South 20 on the East side, 20, yeah. 25 or so. And it was hard to tell. So really yeah, from where I was at. Yeah. And the refs again, they just took their sweet time calling it. It felt like <sighs> crazy, crazy. <laughs> All right. Okay. So playoffs, playoffs. Oh man. Uh, this, this was, uh, I don't know. The selection show probably couldn't have gone any better. NDSU got called North Dakota on the, on the bracket. So that was wonderful when it happens to us. It's not funny, but when it happens to NDSU, it's hilarious. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) any, you know, general thoughts I'm going to, Kyle, I'm going to let you talk while I get this pulled up here. Yeah. So uh, for anyone watching who just kind of doesn't really know uh, that much or isn't that attuned with the whole national scene, uh, we couldn't really have gotten a better draw, in my opinion, from the the original uh, way things shook out. Right. Uh, didn't get a seed, um, but that's not all for for uh, for not, I guess you would say, as we're, we're really looking at UC Davis, which we, we got to take them seriously. But barring anything unforeseen. If we play up to the level of our talent and not the level of our foe, I think if we get that done, then we'd uh, we'd roll into Sac State. Sac State, good team, got taken to the woodshed by UNI. We know how good UNI is as a, as a program. I think if they're on the other side as well, got in at six and five. The unique thing about that though is, you know, they beat them by eighteen points. I want to say or thirty four to seven. They 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 beat them bad. UNI uh, beat Sac State bad. Uh, it, the travel is probably the biggest thing, uh, if we make a run, cause we would have to go to Sac state. If we take care of business against UC Davis cannot overlook UC Davis, they're mm-hmm. a good football team, uh, could have wound up winning, uh, the big sky have an FBS win, uh, under their belt. Uh, they beat, uh, Tulsa, uh, mm-hmm. it's a good squad, right? Uh, out in Oklahoma. So they know how to play some football down there. Um, but UC Davis, you know, they're going to do a lot of things. They're going to run a three, four. Uh, they're going to get probably show a lot of exotic looks, a uh, former teammate of mine, Isaiah Davis is a linebackers coach. I know he's going to have his guys coached up really well. They're going to be disciplined, but say we get, say we, uh, get the job done, take care of business. You know, we're going to Sac state. Let's say, uh, we, we do well there and take care of business again in consecutive weeks. Well, we're looking at a trip to Philly in Villanova. Um, and Villanova is no slouch as they just wrapped up uh, the CAA. So when you really take things into consideration, it's a very favorable side of the bracket, favorable matchups, no slight to our competition, but favorable in the sense the road doesn't go through Fargo. There's not the exhaustive regionality that Southern Illinois and South Dakota are going to have to face, right? Uh, we're not seeing Missouri State, which is great too. I think just kind of just give give us a, a break from the valley monotony because like you said uh folks those of you who weighed in if there's any you know uninspired mentality at all it can be from playing the same teams over and over again so mm-hmm. we should be re- we should all i think be really encouraged mm-hmm. by the draw of the bracket we got now we just got to take care of biz and kyle you reminded me i am gonna have to block coach jackson on all platforms now he follows our stuff likes our stuff at times so Oh, what oh, a bummer. Isaiah. Yeah, I Isaiah. Know. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I'm sorry, here. Isaiah, if you're watching this, uh, <laughs> no, no secrets here. Um, you're going to have to be blocked for a little while. So 
I want to talk to this man in Jim's wedding, so I don't know. He probably got all the secrets already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to talk about this this right side of the bracket as long as we're over here. Do it. Um, You know, this that bottom trio, uh, Southern Illinois, South Dakota. Um, I don't know what's going on with Southern Illinois at this point, but they have not finished the season strong. I believe they've lost uh, two of their last three or three of their last five, something like that. Um, so I, again, I'm not sure what, what's what's happening there. I have not paid close enough attention. Um, but they lost again this week in a game uh, that against Youngstown, right? Was it Got Youngstown? Rushed against. Yeah. Youngstown. Uh, and, I don't. I don't know the dynamics or the details of that one. But, you know, Matt, I, I've been saying it all along. I think a lot of you guys echoed the sentiments. They're on borrowed time. Oh, yeah. Know? The ball was bouncing their way so many times. Another great example was the North Dakota game. Uh, I believe they were down pretty big to Illinois State, and I don't think Illinois State lived up to any kind of expectations this year. I know they lost a ton of people throughout the course of the past 18 months. But um, all, that, all that being said, Southern Illinois, Matt, you've harped on this a long time. They didn't even have to play North Dakota State or Missouri mm-hmm. State. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, or South Dakota. They, they didn't, didn't play, play South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. North, North Dakota State. So, yeah, so now they're going to have to play both of them if they if they want to get the job done. And I think that's just uh, – that's karma, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's – I mean, that's tough travel for them too, going to USD one week and then up, up to Fargo the next week potentially. So um, – then on the on the top side of this bracket, Kennesaw was a team that could have potentially been a seed. Um, so that's that's a tough draw for Eastern uh, Tennessee. I mean, if Kennesaw if Kennesaw gets by Eastern Tennessee, like they're going to give NDSU, in my opinion, I think NDSU comes out of that bottom half a very physical physical game. But we all know that if you're going to beat NDSU, you have to be you can't be one dimensional. You can't just run the ball. Um, and so that's that's unfortunate there because uh, NDSU is likely going to make the semifinals um, fairly unscathed out of that bracket unless Southern – but Southern beat them last year, I guess. So who knows? Maybe they find their magic that they lost. And Nick Baker was a quarterback that that was able to execute that that victory. And, you know, I think the other thing to think about, though, is, is you know, looking at Kennesaw State, a 10-1 team, you know, a lot of people were irritated at how high they were ranked in some of the just standard national polls that came out. But if you look at what the committee did, you know, I got to take the hats off to the committee in a lot of ways here. I really think they got it right. You're not going to see a team that's 10 and one that's barely beating really, really bottom tier competition. Again, no slight, slight to those kids. They just don't play the same ball. Uh, the Missouri Valley, the big sky, the CAA does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, State runs a triple option which is gimmicky and can catch teams off guard if they're uh, more dot back or spread teams too throughout the year and then have to prepare one full week for the triple option type defense, which is very unique. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I wanted to pull this up, this comment from Dion. Uh, <laughs> I, I think not right. getting seated was kind of a blessing in disguise. Yes. And Montana is the perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you look at Montana on the top right side of the bracket, uh, likely incarnate word is hot right now. They're playing good football, mm-hmm. uh, but Eastern Washington, you know, I think who, who won that Montana beat Eastern Washington earlier in the season, I believe. Yeah, they did, but it was a good game. Mm-hmm. And, and really do you want to, how many shots do you want to give uh, Barry a, 
you know, at, at cracking your defense. Um, so that's a tough game there. If they get past there, that top side of the bracket's really interesting because Florida A&M is a, a SWAC school. So typically they're vying for the celebration bowl mm-hmm. um, and not in the FCS, FCS playoffs. So this is something kind of new for them. Selah is going to put up some points, but James Madison, you know, is the, is the bull, big bully on the playground that has been here, done that. So again, Montana, man, if they make it all the way to the quarters or whatever, um, that's a tough draw for them as well. So woofta, mm. what a what a bracket there. <laughs> uh, on the top left, then Sam Houston, um, they should be all right. Uh, UT Martin, Missouri State, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, two two kind of dynamic offenses there. I, I think. Uh, Missouri State likely takes that and then gets sent out to Montana State. So we'll see what uh, see what Polini thinks of that uh, mm-hmm. going out to Mont- Montana State, we'll, where we know they'll have a good crowd. Any thoughts on this on this top half of the bracket? Yeah, you know, I think some percentages came out. Uh, ben shared it in our group thread. Uh, right now, North Dakota State has a pretty overwhelming. Um, nod. I, I want. I don't know if it's bookies or who's who's generating these percentages, but um, there's some good analytics that would suggest North Dakota State has the strongest run, uh, with James Madison being the second highest percentage. I, I want to say at like thirty some percentage. North Dakota State's got forty some percent uh, likelihood to win it all. James Madison thirty some percent, and then us at eight point five percent or something to that degree. And then, um, or 8%. And then Sam Houston is a 7.5% uh, odds to, to make a run again. So I, I don't know how to kind of view that or put stock in it, but it makes a lot of sense to me. I would, I would say that North Dakota State, just given the, the home field advantage, the, the difficulty playing in the Fargo Dome, uh, has a really good path to the semis, like you said, Matt. James Madison is no slouch, right? They, they, they're a little dinged up. They're, they're jumping classifications. Are the underclassmen who are contributing going to be as inspired, you know, because it's uh, completely different now. Like you always want to win now, but are they, you know, are their sights on something different, the change, all that type of stuff. Sam Houston, they're in the same boat, but, you know, they've, in my opinion, not really been tested throughout the course of the year. Um, Frozzy put up some really great stuff with respect to James Madison, South Dakota, or James Madison, Sam Houston, uh, North Dakota State, because uh, those were those were two, three top seeds that I believe he he foresaw falling in that type of order. So he did wins against uh, playoff teams. He did uh, strength of schedule. He had really good metrics that he shared on Twitter. I would encourage all you guys to go check those out because uh, you know Sam Houston fell in the bottom tier, wasn't checking a lot of those boxes, and uh, you know I think those are key metrics. You know what. Mm-hmm. Wins, against, wins against teams just even with a winning record. I think James Madison looks to be the most tested team outside of North Dakota State. Obviously, South Dakota State has been heavily tested. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens with that Florida A&M Southeastern game mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think the high-powered offense at either of those teams could really press James Madison. It's kind of a tough draw for them. Also, Eastern Washington, UNI in the same bracket with Montana. James Madison, to me, has probably one of the toughest sides. Yeah, uh, I'd echo that. Um, you know, some of our fans are wonderful and have pointed out a couple of things um, that Eastern Washington did beat Montana yeah. uh, earlier this year. So that that was uh, correct there. So um, 
That's going to be interesting. That you and I defense versus Eastern Washington is going to be something to watch. Exactly. Um, I'm very curious about that. Uh, is that how that you and I defensive line uh, pressures Barrier? Uh, what they do to uh, get the ball out of his hands quickly? Mm-hmm. And but they're going to have to keep that low scoring because I don't think you and I they can't um, keep pace really. Yeah, they can't keep pace. So the defense is going to have to shut down um, Eastern Washington to some extent there. I don't know how they – I don't know what their answer will be for Isaiah Weston. Um, he's a damn good player. Um, can go off on anybody. So it'll it'll really uh, come down to their quarterback play. Can they get consistent quarterback play in that game? And, you know, I don't know how tested Eastern Washington's offensive line is, but probably pretty pretty tested since they did beat mm-hmm. Montana. There is good play in, in the in the Midwest – or in the uh, Big Sky – so you know, look look for that to be a pretty evenly matched game. Um, if the if the the Brinkman Butcher connection uh, can really get going and get oiled up, look out! It's gonna be a long day uh, in Eastern Washington. Which we should note, Matt. I want to we I want to celebrate. You know, Justin Sell, our AD, because we got a bid for a home game, and I do not know how you and I didn't outbid or or want to outbid Eastern. For a, I don't know for a home playoff game. So you know, kudos to to Justin Self for getting that done. There's no guarantees there, you know. Well, it's just terrible because now we have to watch a game potentially in that god awful red turf. Oh, I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. I know you love it. I like uh, it too. So, but, oh, but I know what you mean. It, it is hard on the eyes. I'm, I'm glad you brought this other thing up. Uh, uh, Midco, man. You, you guys, we don't need to see long extended cuts. To, to Chris clapping his hands, we need to be able to see the entire field. And I missed two two pivotal plays because they were still running ads. Come on, guys. <laughs> Get it together. Mid-season form. We need you peaking in November. Oh, funny. Um, all right. This has been good. Uh, later this week, Ben and Brendan and Chad will spend more time on this, um, uh, talking bracketology. Um, so for us, we're just going to let it be for now. But appreciate – um, the insights and the comments, feedback. Um, I agree with you, Scott. One of these Montana schools is going to make some noise in the playoffs. I agree. I think they're good teams this year, um, and and they have home field for a couple games, and they're yeah, they're good. So, um, Fink, good points. Uh, Schmidt did not play against Stephen F. Austin, so he, that was the game where they rested him. He'd been uh, the recipient of a few targeting penalties. Um, or not called on him, but against him. And uh, Keeler was on record in the press conference just saying they needed to give him some time to recover from some of the hellacious hits he took early in the season. So, uh, And they didn't think they needed him against Stephen F. Austin that week. So, all right. UC Davis. So um, I'm, I'm very um, at the start of my UC Davis prep. Uh, the full prep will be out tomorrow or the full report will be out tomorrow of what we can expect in the, in the opponent preview. Uh, what I have already noticed and, and paid attention to is we will likely see three different quarterbacks at, for UC Davis um, at, throughout the game. Um, they, they had two quarterbacks at the start of the year um, that they, that they went with and it looks like there was an injury at one point um, and, and one of the quarterbacks missed um, three games and came back last week against um, 
Sac State and just only threw three passes. They were all completions. One was for a touchdown, but it was in garbage time. Their quarterback that started the game struggled through two interceptions. So it's going to be kind of a mess. That third quarterback that I mentioned, he is just a running quarterback. Um, when he comes into the game, you can expect that that's what he's going to do. Um, his name is Trent Tompkins, number 18. He's only attempted 18 passes this year, but he is their second leading rusher with 436 yards, a 5'7 average, six TDs on the ground. Um, the two quarterbacks that I mentioned, uh, Hunter Rodriguez is the one that started the year as their as their starting quarterback, but was hurt against Northern Colorado. Um, eight touchdowns on the year, 60% completion rate. Uh, Miles Hastings, number seven, is the man that stepped in. Um, 62% completion rate, six touchdowns, but six interceptions. So he's going to put it into play. These quarterbacks are all built about the same, um, right in that six foot, six, six one range. Um, lighter weight guys. They don't run the ball exceptionally well. You know, they, I don't know. They have a, you know, their, their leading rusher again is kind of a smaller scat back. Uh, Ulanzo Gilliam Jr., 5'9, 189. So it's an interesting offense that I, I'm not. Uh, all the way there yet on, on, on learning about them. Uh, their offensive line is not huge. I mean, all the guys are less than 275 pounds, 290 pounds it looks like. So uh, not a huge offensive line. They're not a Valley line. We'll see what that looks like um, and how that plays out. Kyle, you want to talk a little bit about their 3-4? Yeah, I, I can talk about the 3-4. First, I just kind of want to touch on, you know, offensively, I think what I would like to see us try to do, this is really no different than any game, but uh, I'd like to see us possess the ball more uh, than, than them because I, I really think uh, we do really well against the run. And like you're saying, they don't, they don't have a huge uh, running game in terms of what, how they want to make their money. Uh, what, what I think they're going to do is, you know, understand that they may have some opportunities through the air. And so, uh, and then they're probably going to leverage the quarterback run game. Like you were talking about um, one of them that that is such a pivotal weapon for any team nowadays is a quarterback run game. Um, and if, uh, if Isaiah has any input uh, with the staff and the game plan, I would imagine he would probably, you know, just say that they struggle with, with the quarterback run. Cause I mean, we, we have struggled with the quarterback run and extending the play uh, you know, notwithstanding those, those hurt us as well. Right. Um, so I would like to see us lock that down um, and, and really possess the ball with our run game, get Pierre and Isaiah going. And I think then, uh, then we'll, we'll be in the driver's seat to try to dictate the score and the flow of the game. Uh, from there, the three, four, you're going to, you're going to see a lot. Uh, the good news is Matt and I were talking about in pre-production. Um, you're going to see a lot of similar things overall that we've seen from your UNDs, uh, some of your Northern Iowa looks in terms of them being multiple with a three, four front, right? So for those who don't know, three down linemen, you can have two, two, two eyes, which just means, inside shade of the guard you could have uh you know they can they can mix how they want to align to our fronts that's why for any folks watching you'll see us move our tight ends so your tucker craft and your hinds will trade them that means move them to the other side to see how they're going to line up right so what we're trying to do is look for it's called the bubble in football terminology so we want to run at the bubble which gives us 
an advantage in, in terms of run lanes, right? So that's what we're looking for from a running perspective, running the ball against a 3-4 in terms of the looks that they're going to try to show, show us. I would imagine they do a lot of stunting, uh, a lot of twisting in games with their defensive linemen. Um, if they look at the Dixie State film, that kind of got us off some of our spots. We weren't able to get up to second level with our blocking. Uh, so I, I would imagine they do a lot of stuff like that. Um, and then they're going to try to do that so Chris doesn't have time back there, right? Because look at what he's really done lately. He's excelled at is extending the plays. Mm -hmm. If you look at what he did in the UND game, um, Chris really did an excellent job of taking what was there for the most part, um, with the exception of one play that it kind of one or two plays he kind of, uh, I think he could have taken maybe some checkdowns. But to his credit, he put a great ball out there to Jaden Yonke. Jaden just didn't pick it up. Uh, he, I don't think he caught it in the air in terms of with his eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one, one of those plays is about to hit, but I think you can never go broke taking a profit. So hopefully Chris, Chris just continues to lean on his tight ends. Uh, good screen game, back shoulder throws to Jaden or Jackson. I think we're going to eat all day. Yeah. Um, that's my take on it. They do have good athletic linebackers, much like we've seen from the UNDs of the world, the Western Illinois of the world. They're similar, right? The similar bodies, similar makeup. That's what we're going to be able to expect, I think, defensively from UC Davis. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of looking at statistics, and I know this is the big sky where they do tend to pass a little more. Uh, they're allowing 255 yards per game through the air, 162.9 on the ground. Um, so that's something that's going to be worth watching. I am intrigued. They have a nose tackle named Chuba, who's 347 pounds. So anytime you get uh, a dude like that, I just want to look and see what he's like. He's 6'2", so uh, he's a big boy. So I am excited for that. Um, they're young in the secondary. A lot of freshmen, a lot of redshirt freshmen. It's hard to know what that actually means, if they're true freshmen or if they're in their third year. You know, with, with COVID and eligibility, every team's uh, kind of showing it a little bit different on their rosters, which is, is annoying. Um you know, they forced 13 interceptions, though. But again, big sky, you're, you're, you are chucking it up a lot. Um, you know, sacks, they've, they've, um, they've uh, had 24 sacks. They've only given up 16. So who knows? You know, we'll get into this a little bit more. Ken, this is a good point. Did you pull this up, Ken Brooks yeah. here? Logan yeah. needs to be the quarterback spy. Shut that option down. Did anyone else notice we were using Tolu as a spy? yesterday that was interesting it was when we were doing the nascar package and tolu was dropping back and um i don't know i think it had mixed results uh, yeah i'd rather see him moving forward yeah i i would agree with you matt i think sometimes you throw things out there for them to have to prepare for on film um in a lot of cases like that uh and just to show that you have more versatility within that same package because when you get an offensive lineman guessing and over analyzing what they've seen on film, then they can't play fast and physical, right? Mm -hmm. um, similar to a defense, right? Coach Stig hates playing UND because there's so many, what we like to call on the offensive side of the ball, there's so much window dressing, like all the orbit motions, the shifts in the trades, a lot of the stuff that Coach Eck does. Um, mm -hmm. And why is that such a pain? Not because it really, anything really comes of it specifically, but it's how you have to align to it, how you have to prepare for it and then the things you can run off of those looks. So um, defensively, I know we probably do the same thing. Um, Matt, that's a really key statistic that you pointed out, only giving up 16 sacks on the year. 
Um, you know, when we can generate a pass rush with our interior defensive linemen, it really pays huge dividends. And people might say, well, duh. Um, but what I mean is, is it guards some of our um, deficiencies on the back end in coverage, right? Mm -hmm. And um, want to give a shout out to Malik. He stepped up pretty well, um, but I did notice he was playing with a lot of cushion. So I want them to work on that with Malik. Uh, I think Dyshawn just needs to uh, get his spirits up a little bit. Dyshawn's a hitter, just needs to, to, to bring his pad level a little lower. Um, you know, like, again, targeting needs to be called consistently because Otis Weah completely dropped his head on one play. So hopefully we can remove the ref's influence completely from this game and the rest of the, the way through, but we'll see. Um, but just back on target, yeah, I definitely want to see how we can generate a pass rush um, because we were blitzing so consistently on third down and not getting home, it was really, it was really irritating me. So, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Yep. All right. Um, let's get into this predictions presented by Eric Erickson of Cutler Law Firm. So, Eric, uh, Eric Tailgates right next to me in the backyard. Great guy. Uh, he's talked me through helping me, has helped me set up Jackrabbit Illustrated over the years. Um, just offered some excellent advice. Um, so, if you are in need of uh, some some legal um, business consultation. That's what Eric specializes in. Contact Eric Erickson of Cutler Law Firm. Uh, his email is just erickson at Cutler Law. So give a shout out. Uh, just want to give a shout out to him for his support um, and let him know what needs that you have there. So, all right. Predictions then, Kyle. Do you want to, do you want to give a score prediction first this week? I feel like I always go first. Sure. Yeah, no problem. You know, I last week, I think I got the score. I think I predicted it accurately. Um, I just kind of try to mirror it based off of what defense surrenders. Um, I was maybe I maybe I thought the defense would give, give up a few few fewer points. Um, you know, I'm just running through the score breakdown of all the points that UC Davis has given up. Looks like uh, looks like they give up a fair amount. Um I'm gonna go 28. I'm gonna go 28, 20 jacks. Okay, that's funny. I'm at 31, 17 is where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> so we're like in the it. same ballpark. Yeah, I Cole Fromm's been killing it lately, but I don't want to see him on the field outside of kickoffs and PATs. You know what I'm saying? Hey, there we so, go. I, I do want to give a, a a key player to watch uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, I think Adam box is going to have a heck of a game. I know he was my pick last week. He had a very quiet, but dominant performance. Again, there were a couple of times where he took a, he bit, then he bailed and then he came back to make a play for, for a tackle for loss with some rally tackling. So Adam Bach defensively, uh, offensively, I'm going to go with a, uh, uh I'm going to go with Jackson Yankee. I think given what they give up through the air. Given how consistent he's played just through all the throughout the entire year, and we kind of just kind of take it for granted, um, I think he's going to have a heck of a game. Okay, okay. Uh, I man, I always feel bad for picking this one, but I'm going to pick Pierre. That's good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick Pierre and Reese uh, Reese Winkleman. And so, a couple things here. I just want to give our you know our listeners uh, making sure that they have all the accurate info when they start filling out their bracket. Uh, Hunter Biden's in the house. Uh, he says hey, Montana lost to Eastern Washington after their starting quarterback was hurt. 
and I'd forgot that. So thank you. Thank you, Hunter, for checking in. Uh, appreciate that. Hope your art <laughs> goes well. Hope your art goes well, Hunter. You're quite an artist. <laughs> all right, Terry with the prediction, 34-17 jacks. All right, we're all kind of in the same neighborhood here. So um, awesome. Anything else, Kyle, for the good of the order here? No, yeah, I think everybody should be really encouraged, right? I mean, um, you know, it's been harped on for the faithful. Two different plays. The ball bounces two different ways, and then the Jacks are sitting in a completely different scenario. Um, but the reality is we've had All-Americans out uh, at various points throughout the year. We've had targeting calls that impacted the roster that we could roll out to start games. We've lost uh, a pivotal, pivotal piece to our run game. Um, we've lost now our left tackle who's uh, week to week, it looks like, and there's never any guarantees once you hit playoff time. So we shall be really encouraged uh, as fans. If you're trying to drum up a, a, a good fan base, let's, let's shed the self-deprecation, the, this team's underachieving because we have to consider things within context of a whole. I'm on a soapbox here. I understand this. Um, but I, I couldn't really bring this up because I was driving home uh, and coach Stig he had excellent game management against North Dakota State uh, during the marker game by electing to pick, take the safety, by preparing the guys really well. Um, and, you know, it's a give and take in football. You can't always ride off into the sunset, make all the right calls, um, put all the players in the best situations all the time, right? Um, so what happened in, in Vermilion, I think, was a bit of an anomaly. I think uh, we've already gotten the bad taste of that out of our mouths. Um, and now we're not on the Fargo side of the bracket because we need to pay those guys their respect, even though I think we match up really well against them. So really looking forward to this run here. Guys, keep all the Jacks fans up um, and positive because, you know, this may this may be the, this will be the last run, but this may be the last few times we can cheer for this Jackrabbit squad. So now I'm stepping down off my soapbox. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Hey, there we go. And that's a good um... – Good transitioning. So I, I I was just happy that, you know, this we were able to recognize this group of seniors on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be sad seeing some of them go. Um, I've mentioned it um, just a, a little bit before that this is the group that I started Jack Herbert Illustrated on. Um, and and I was looking back at the very past articles. I'm going to have once the season's done, I'm going to have it come out. Uh, who are the five freshmen to watch and kind of a breakdown with a comp of each guy. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, and then, you know, some of the the personal stories, like, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, I used to work at SDSU, was an academic advisor, uh, got to know some of these guys uh, as they came through orientation and, and in the academic advising sense, um, you know, uh, and, and Tolu uh, was one person just personality wise that, that, has always stood out to me um, from that from that uh, instance. And he was in our room uh, at orientation. He could just feel like what a good spirit he is. Um, and so, yeah, like this this class uh, of, of seniors, I think, is maybe a little extra special uh, for me uh, for those reasons and and just the chance that I've gotten to know them just a little bit uh, through through this over the years. So, yeah. That's cool. I didn't know you had a direct impact with them. That's, I mean, it that that makes it special, and so that that's really cool. I'm, I look forward to reading those. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. All right, yeah. So with that, let's wrap it up. We're at an hour here. So, all right, go big. 
Go Blue. Go, Go Jack. This podcast has been brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Drake's Place in Bottle, and to Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the Jackrabbit Illustrated podcasts and like and follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. And go big, go blue, go Jacks! Horns down! Uh, you cut out for a second. Did you say your, your stomach was full of spirits? <laughs> <laughs>